this, this evening, I'm just going to be looking at the thought around aspiration. Aspiration. You may say, well, that's an interesting word, and that's quite a fascinating word to put into the, into the DNA. And um, I think all will become clear as we continue. So, I wonder if you've just got a Bible, whether you turn with me to Philippians in chapter 3. Philippians in chapter 3, and we're just going to read from verse 13 and 14. And uh, then we're going to launch right into it. Uh, Whilst you do that, I wonder if we can just pray. Father, we thank you tonight for such a great presence and spirit amongst the people of God here tonight. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that over these next few minutes that I just open up the Bible and just share some thoughts that what I've prepared will enter into God's soil. Because I, I'm reminded again, Lord, that the, the, the seed is always good. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that it would go into good soil in all of our hearts. That we would not only be hearers of your word, but we'd also be doers of your word. Father, we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It says in Philippians in chapter 3 and verse 13, towards the end of verse 13, Paul says, forgetting, what, what, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Forgetting what is behind, I press on, Ahead, And I I really feel that these just few verses encapsulate something of aspiration. Of aspiration. I'm not talking about ambition. I'm not talking about people who are naked and shameless in their ambition. Have you ever met people like that? They're just shameless in how how ambitious they are. They'll climb over anybody to get to where they want to get to. I'm not talking about that kind of uh, deal tonight. I'm called, called, uh, speaking about something that resonates deep within our heart that we know that there's more. We know that there's more. Was it Jimmy Cricket who used to say, come here, come here, there's more, there's more? I know that was a terrible Irish uh, impersonation. I'm sorry, Karen. But the reality is, there is more. There is so much more. And what we want to try and do this evening is if there's any comfort or comfortableness in any of your lives, we're going to shake you out of it tonight in Jesus' name. I really believe that's what the Spirit of God wants to do. He wants to shake you out of your comfort and out of your comfort zone, and he wants to bring you into a place where you actually believe for more. Because that is why we exist. There's a prophetic statement that I've done tonight. It's not because I'm warm, but there's a prophetic statement, and Andy wasn't aware of it when I asked him. When I asked us to open the door, Because that's a prophetic statement of what we need to keep doing. We need to keep the door open. Now I understand we also need to make sure that we have the back door heavily closed as well. Because if we're not careful, there are some contexts where you have a big front door, but they have an even bigger back door. And it's just a revolving, you know, sense of people coming in and people coming in and then people leaving. But Arena Church here, we want to make the statement that the door is open. 
We don't want it to be a place where it's locked down. Because just because we've relocated from a, a building that was situated in the middle of an estate, that actually, and you've heard me say this before, I wasn't being rude, that nobody can find unless you know Mansfield. Let's not get into an illusion now. Oh, well, yeah, we're all hip and trendy. We're all at Man. We, we, we meet at Mansfield Town Football Club. What's the point of meeting here if the doors aren't open? And so my aspiration and our aspirations are that this, this, this God that we serve becomes very famous in this town. That this God which we serve actually becomes very real in this town. This God in which we serve actually begins to have some form in the form of you and me. Because actually God doesn't want to be just out there. He wants to actually presence himself in some form. That is why the Spirit of God came upon What? Not upon animals, not upon buildings. Where did the Spirit of God fall? Upon men and women. So we would be the people that carry God into our neighborhoods. So if you want to talk about aspiration, this has nothing to do with my notes at the moment, but I'm going with it. Our aspiration is for the doors to be wide open. Our aspiration is for God to so present himself amongst us. That is why we, we encourage you at the very beginning to lift your hearts in praise and worship and prayer to him. That is why we encourage you to pray and read your Bible. That is why we encourage you to commit yourself to being a disciple. Because God wants to touch your life. He wants to flow through your life. But more than that... He wants to touch your life so you can be a blessing to other people who are out there. We're not after building a big church for big church sake. But we want to build a big church because there are many people in this town. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands who will go into a lossless eternity unless we become the answer to their needs. Amen? That is the reality. So if you talk about what am I believing for, where are my aspirations, I want to tell you, it's not about that new suit that I saw uh, in Next. It's not about that new car that I saw on the, on the forecourt. It's not about that new house that I've seen you know, in the estate agents. It's not about that holiday that we're going on to later on in the year. My aspiration is to see God's kingdom come in greater power and greater authority. To see men and women changed. To see broken people begin to put their lives back together. Maybe even you tonight. You've come in your brokenness. It may be that you've been a believer for many years, but you're broken inside. I have an aspiration, and that is that the Spirit of God would begin to touch your life. Through the ministry of the Word tonight. And that your life would become better as a result of you being here. My aspiration is that every one of us becomes a multiplier. Every one of us, not just relying on those who are good and talking with people, but every one of us becomes a multiplier. What do I mean by a multiplier? Every one of us actually gets out of our comfort zone and says, you know what, I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm straining towards what is ahead. I'm believing for God. I'm believing that my life is going to be such an influence for those people that I work with, that I live with. My family members who don't want anything to do with Jesus. I'm believing that is, that, is, that is the aspiration. So again, I feel like I'm, I'm just being a good craftsman of just trying to lay a little bit of a foundation again. Are you getting it? Yeah. This church does not exist for you and for me. I want to tell you, if I had big enough arms, I was called this morning, and he, Phil was, just said to me, I wasn't being derogatory, was he? And he wasn't. But he called me a big unit. <laughs> There was, an, there was an American footballer who used to be called the refrigerator. I don't want any comments, okay? 
I don't want anybody pressing my buttons for I, so I want to tell you, if you start pressing my buttons, you'll see what comes out of me. But anyway, we best not go there. But, you know, a big unit. And what I'd love to say is, I may be this big unit, and if I had the capacity to put my arms around you, because I want to say, we absolutely love, we are falling in love with you guys. We really have. We absolutely love you with a passion. We really do. Some of you guys who have come in, I'm telling you, it's just awesome. Some of the guys who came from the Bosworth Street, I want to tell you, we absolutely love you guys. Love you. We think you're awesome. We believe the best days are ahead of us. Amen? But also, those people who have no idea when we talk about Bosworth Street, they're on another, what is this Bosworth Street? I have no idea. Well, a lot of you over here, we love you guys. We think you're awesome. We believed your best days are ahead. Do you believe that? And what's interesting is, Phil and I, we both feel incredibly affirmed and loved by this group of people that are here. Feel very supported. We know that we prayed for. And I want to encourage you to keep praying. Why am I saying all this? Because we have an aspiration to grow. We have an aspiration to increase. We have an aspiration to multiply. We have an aspiration to see the blessing of God come upon your life. We have an aspiration to see gifts grow and increase to the glory of God. We have an aspiration to see new preachers born, businesses built, new buildings in the town. Can you see it all? I can see it all in Jesus' name. What I believe about God as well, it's not just going to be, well, plodding along. Because actually, we've been getting some words recently, and Phil's brought a few prophetic words. And if you had an ear to hear, you'll have heard them specifically on Sunday nights. And many of those words have been around the thought of acceleration. One of the things I really believe is that God wants to do, when we look at things, when we look at growth, and when we look at what God wants to do amongst us, We sometimes think to ourselves, well, you know, there is that sense of stage by stage. I get it. I've always believed that, stage by stage. There's some people here who have an understanding of building. You've been in the building trade. You've been around builders. Chris and Julie had the joy of building a house, and they saw that house go up slower than they wanted it to be, granted, but there were reasons behind that. But it went up brick by brick. But the kind of house that God's wanted to build is outstanding. But I I also believe, this is what I really believe, is often we think, well, we've got to do this and it will take its time in this. I want to say God's bringing some serious acceleration. Some serious acceleration to it. And some serious multiplication. So at the moment, we're handling about, if we take those people who... Uh, are, are in the Ilkeston campus because we want church in two locations. That is why we need you to come to Scarborough. That is why we want you involved in the big idea. That is why when we have a baptismal service at Ilkeston, the reason why we have a baptismal service at Ilkeston is because we've got a ba- baptismal tank. And when we get a baptismal tank here, we'll baptize some people here as well. Yeah? So I don't think there's anything, that, that's why we do it. Okay? Why, why was I saying that? I have no idea. I lost a trip. One church. Why? What was I going to say? Come on, flowing some. Yeah, I have no idea what I was on about now. But the reality is, God wants to bless our lives, and He wants to do good things in our lives. I was on about acceleration. It's gone from me. It must have been not a God thought. It must have been a Christian thought. So that's probably why. Let me just give you some structure to this because. Uh, I've got Phil here, and I want to make sure that I'm doing my job properly. Yeah. 
Okay, let me just give you some, some thoughts here on this whole thing of, of, of aspiration. Somebody once said, aspiration or the life sciences and, and uh, physiology define aspiration in, in a way of the act of breathing, a breath. So there's a sense in which we just breathe, we're just breathing this stuff. We're just, we're just believing and breathing. And uh, that's what I get the sense in which Paul was, was saying here, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm pressing in towards all that God has for me. It was like breath to him. It was like the very breath to him. I wonder what gets you out of bed in the morning. I wonder what makes you come alive. I want to just give you two quotes this morning, uh, this evening, sorry. I wonder, I wonder what makes you come alive. There was, there's a man by the name of Erwin McManus. If you want to just get some real interesting thinking, Erwin McManus pastors a church in, in uh, Los Angeles. They've just launched a congregation in Hollywood, and he's really going after the arts. And He's a very interesting character, very godly man, but very quirky in some ways. And this is what he wrote in one of his books. He said, I'm convinced the greatest tragedy is not the sins we commit, but the life that we fail to live. Have you got it? Now listen, God's very, very interested in the sins of mankind. That's why he sent Jesus. And there's got to be a way of our sins being erased. So don't, for one minute, think I'm being a heretic. I'm not. But sometimes in Christendom, we focus too much upon the sins, behavioral stuff. And I believe God wants us to live right with characters. You've got that. You know that about me. I'm not some flaky idiot. All right. Who's just, who just, you know, is out there. Well, do as you please. Do what you want. I'm not living there. But listen. What kind of life are we living I'll repeat it. I am convinced the greatest tragedy is not the sins we commit, but the life we fail to live. Have you ever done something and it hasn't worked? And then you've regretted it? We all have. But at least we did it. John Eldridge is a book for the men and it's a fantastic book. He says this, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Some of you have heard me quote this before. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. And go and do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. What makes you come alive? That's what I'm trying to get in. The DNA of Arena Church is aspiration. And I'm asking you, what makes you come alive? We're in the process, Caroline and I and a few people and a few of the team are aware of some things and some adjustments that we are endeavoring to make. Can't go into great detail. It has nothing to do with church and other things. But just trying to make some adjustments to our lives so I can concentrate on the very thing that makes me come alive. Instead of concentrating a lot of thought time and energy on things actually that are necessary but they don't make me come Alive. 
I have no idea how long God's got for my life. I'm glad my wife in here, she doesn't like me talk like this, but I have no idea how many more days that God is going to grant me. But what I do want to make sure is, whatever days they are, I want to make sure I'm doing the right things. I want to make sure I'm doing the And I want to, I want to do some things that make me come alive. So, Aidy, go skydiving in Jesus' name. I actually don't think this is making him come alive. I actually think it's... Oh. For some of you, it is just some adventure. When was the last time you had some adventure? When was the last time you had some passion and some excitement? When was the last time you went and did something? To quote Andrew Sherman, he used to say, when was the last time you did something for the first time? When was it? When was the last time you did something for the very first time? We need to be people that live with, with aspiration. Now, aspiration is not just for you young guys, Kev, Josh, George, Jacob, and other guys. We sometimes think, well, that's lost, don't we, Gene, on the younger ones. But I want to tell you, in Gene, it's lovely to have Gene back with us. We prayed for you last week. We prayed for you, Russell, as well last week. It's great to have you with us as well. And we keep praying for Jack. But, you know, it, I want to say it's not just for the young'uns. Because it's some of you got, uh, guys have got some serious aspiration in you. Some serious drive, some serious energy. I mean, you don't need to spend two minutes with Jean and she, you're rocking and rolling. Whoa! Brilliant. Brilliant. And there's some young people who are as boring as ditch water. <laughs> You look at them and they're boring. What do they do? They play on the PlayStation. <laughs> I'm glad Mick's not here, Julie. I would be in trouble, wouldn't I? I mean, what's exciting about that? Sorry, Josh. What's exciting about that? <laughs> you know, what makes you come alive? I want to stir something in you. What makes you come on? I want you to begin to think, what am I going to do this year differently? What am I going to do this week differently? Where am I going to go? What am I going to say? I want to point you in, the, in a moment to just, I want to stir something in your heart because it's individual for each person. Because what makes me come alive doesn't make Josh come alive. And what jo- makes Josh come alive doesn't make me come alive. Some of you have become alive by work, by serving, by doing. But a DIY, you love it. Yeah, you can tell where Phil's at. And then some of you, he's on the football terrace and he's there. And some of you are going, ooh. I was talking to a lady coming out of church this morning. Her husband said, I had four women around the house yesterday. I thought, well, that sounds interesting. But anyway, he wasn't meaning that, he wasn't meaning that actually. I, I did have a laugh with him. Sorry, I'm getting in a bit of a flow now. So I, I have to do watch myself. And he... he, he he says, and they were downstairs, and he says, and they were watching the football, the forest. He said, they had four fights. She said, yeah, yeah, I love, we are, we're girls. We're. And this guy, he says, I went to bed, I couldn't be doing with it. <laughs> and then we thought, what? what's your game? <laughs> you see, different things make us come alive, but what makes you come alive? Yeah. And go and do it. I'm not talking about doing something stupid. I'm not talking about doing something immoral. Yeah. But I'm just talking about what makes you come alive. But at the end of this, we're going to point it to, you know, in terms of the context of church. Because mm. I want to say there's some things that make Jesus come alive. Oh. Yeah. I had a real, real thought. It was over the last few days. I couldn't say when it exactly was. 
But I was just, I know what it was. It just come to me Friday night at the prayer meeting. Just had this real sense. And I didn't, I didn't share it because I, I, for, I forgot it. So I just often think if things come in the meeting, if I'm meant to share them, I'll remember them at the end. But I've just, just come to me now. And there's that whole thought about arise, shine. And arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. I, and I'm sure it's not theologically true, but as we was praying, I just felt like the, God was getting out of his seat. I felt like God was just stepping out off his throne. He was just wanting to have a look. Now, I know theologically, because he sees everything. But I just felt like he was just getting stepped up to just, oh. And you've seen it, haven't you? When you've seen a sports event and you sat there. Can I say this? And any, any, uh, any horse riding freaks before you became, became a Christian? Any, 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 any bucky lads? Any bucky lads? I'm not trying to... But anybody... We, we were in America and we saw this film, uh, Secretariat, I think it was called. It's a Disney film and it was about this horse racing thing. I've never been into horse racing. And of course I like sports. But on this particular thing you saw these horses gallop. And then you saw the crowd and it was just coming to the last leg. And then what happened? Everybody started getting out of their, what? Their seats. They were just, oh, they're just, oh, come on. And I really believe that God is wanting us to be so impassioned by the church, I want to say the church gets God out of his seat. It really does. The church gets God out of his seat. He is just so ramped up and amped up about the church. This church, yeah, this church. Yeah, this church. He's not just Hillsong. He's excited about Hillsong. Thank God for the influence. But I tell you what, he's amped up and ramped up about this church. He has an aspiration for this church to grow. But we're the people who have to allow it and allow God to, to use us. So we have to ask ourselves what makes us come alive. Oh, flipping heck. Um, let me just read something from Isaiah in 54. I'm just going to lay these as a, as a foundation uh, for you. You don't need another message. Isaiah 54 and uh, and verse 1. These words are very precious to me, what I'm about to read. Very precious to me. The Lord spoke to me from this in September 2001 and then again in in, uh, the 12th of February 2003. And then he spoke to me last year in the springtime again. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Then I'm going to read it from the message. And then I'm going to bring some context. And then I'm going to give you three thoughts. And then we're going to be out the door. It says, Sing, O childless woman, break forth into loud and joyful song. O Jerusalem, even though you have never given birth to a child, for the woman who could bear no children now has more than all the other women, says the Lord. Enlarge your house build an addition, spread out your home, for you will soon be bursting at the seams, your descendants will take over other nations and will live in their cities. I want to read it from uh, the message. If you keep hearing the word the message and you haven't got one, just go and buy one. It's worthy of just going and buying one, it really is. It's just a contemporary version 
written by a, a man. I actually think inspired. It's not inspired word, but it's just inspired by a man. It's great. And this is what it says there. Sing barren woman who has never had a baby. Fill the air with song, you who've never experienced childbirth. Because you're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. Who say so? God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations and you're going to resettle abandoned cities. The Lord spoke to me um, through these verses um, very early on upon our arrival at Arena Church. It was a word spoken to us, interestingly, by, hopefully by a man who's going to be standing before us, Bob Stevenson, <clears throat> all the way from Perth, Australia, and we're hopefully going to have Bob through uh, in June. And he, he spoke uh, these words to me in the context of, of, uh, of ministry um, in, in Arena. It wasn't called Arena then, but in Arena. And uh, that was great, and I really took those to heart. I've, as I've said, he, he then, I believe, spoke to me on a number of occasions, but more specifically, spring 2010 was when Phil was working with Kevin and with the regional team with regards to uh, the Bosworth Street, uh, Mansfield, Bosworth Street, and of course, trying to endeavor in it as they did, care for and love for the people there. But I really, was really quickened in my heart again. Because as many of you have heard on many occasions, we felt very stirred in our heart and have done for many years about Mansfield. I felt that I wasn't able to touch Mansfield because of everything that was going on there. But at this particular time, I remember sitting with Phil and saying to Phil, Phil, can you, would you mind just, you know, as a man under authority, he's, he's my uh, leader, my area leader now. I, and at that time, he was the regional leader. And I said to him, Phil, would you mind just, if you're able to, just tell me what the plans are with regards to Bosworth Street? Do you have any? Is there anybody on the horizon? Is there anybody coming through? Because I really just wanted to just settle these things in my heart. At that point, he said, no, not, not particularly. We're just working it the way through. And I don't know whether you can remember the conversation, but I said, I'm very, very interested in being involved. And can we set up a meeting with the guys? Because I really feel like the Lord uh, may have spoken to, to me and, and for us in, in, in Ilkeston. And in particular, I just want to bring your attention to some crucial words. I know I'm jumping ahead of, ahead of myself, but just in that last phrase of, 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 of Isaiah 54, in the message, it says, you're going to take over whole nations and you're going to resettle abandoned cities. And I felt like there was an abandonment over the, over the thing. People had walked away. And uh, it, we were going to resettle it. We were going to resettle it. And so it's a, it's a word that, that means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to us here. And there's three things that I want to talk about in this aspiration of what God sees here and what God sees across the world. There's three things that he sees. Number one, he wants us to enlarge. Everybody say enlarge. enlarge. He wants to supersize. He doesn't want large. He wants extra large. No, he doesn't want extra large. He wants XX. He wants extra, extra. 
large. He wants to enlarge the place where we are presently operating. It says there that we are to clear lots of ground and make your tents large. It also says enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. So God is wanting us to enlarge. He's wanting us to clear the ground. He's wanting us to get together and work together to make our tents large. Now you think about a tent now, now multiply it by a hundred, because that is what God sees. If you're seeing a church of a hundred, I want to say God sees a church of a thousand. If you're seeing a church of a thousand, God's seeing a church of ten thousand. I really do believe it, with just boldness. We need to begin to enlarge our hearts and our minds in God. We were hearing that this morning, that God is a big God. God is a big God. He could do far more than what we believe, imagine or comprehend or dream. He really can. And God is wanting us to enlarge our hearts. He's wanting us to enlarge our our temples. He, he, He is wanting us to make uh, preparation, make readiness for big tents, for big tents to be in this town. I'm not talking about buildings now, although God is going to give us buildings. I'm talking about the building of people. We need to get ourselves ready for all the people that are going to come in, because bearing in mind, we've got an open door. We're, we're committed, aren't we, to seeing the church grow. So we're committed to enlarging. What else are we committed to? And what else is God seeing? Well, he's seeing extending. Extend. What does it say in these verses? It says, um, in in, in the, the message, clear lots of ground for your tents, make your tents large, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope, and drive the tent pegs deep. So it says there, Spread out, think big. The New International Version says, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Let me just make, because of time, we must make sure that we have plenty of rope. The bigger the structure, the more rope that we'll need. Have you ever been been involved in putting up a four-man tent? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. You might find it easy. For me, it's like, oh dear, it's like Krypton Factor. I'm useless at that kind of stuff. But I've also seen big marquees go up. And a big marquee is more difficult to put up, potentially, than a four-man tent. What I've noticed about the structure of a marquee compared to a four-man is there is more structure. There's more canvas, there's more, there's more uh, poles, and there's more, what, rope. You've got to have plenty of rope. But it's no good getting the rope and then trying to put the stakes down of a little four-man tent. Because it needs to be driven down what? Deep. You've got to drive them down deep. Because wind and rain always comes when you're camping. Always comes when you're camping. And you see, we're not settling. We're pilgrims. That's why I think I like the analogy of, because it really is the context of a tent. It's not a house. We're pilgrims. We're not dwellers. 
And God is wanting us to spread out and think big. And he's wanting us to drive the tent, pen, tent pegs deep, which speaks of me of deep foundations. Again, just to reiterate, why have we been working through much of this series since September? We've been laying foundation upon foundation upon foundation. We've been clearing the ground, continuing to clear the ground, and begin to just dig, big, dig, um, dig deeper foundations. And then once we've realized, I think we've looked and thought, well, where do we go? Now we need to do a bit more digging, don't we, Phil? So we're going to go down a bit deeper. Are we? No, no, we're not. We need to dig a bit deeper. Do you know who the foundations are? You guys. All you are here. We need you. If you think that Ilkeston is, is the answer, Ilkeston is not the answer. We're one church in two locations. We're together, but there's we need, we need people to rise up here. People to rise up. And you, you're just committed to the journey of building. And, in the, in, in it, and with, with that in mind, we also need to think big. Let me move quickly. Lastly, we need to not just enlarge, not just extend, but we need to expand. Without us being rude, we have no problem physically doing that, do we, most of us? It just happens dead naturally. Does it in my case anyway? It really does. And the reality is this should be the most natural thing that happens. We just expand. We just grow out. We spread out to the right and to the left. And it says there, descendants will, will dispossess nations and will settle in desolate cities. I really believe that what we are doing is we are resettling an abandoned city. I really believe that we're resettling an abandoned city. I really do believe. I believe in the, in the, in the principalities and powers in the, in the heavenly realms. We're actually they're very aware of what we're endeavoring to do by God's grace. And in a city there's always authority. In a city, there's always influence. In a city, there's always government. You must understand that the government, without me going too mystical, the government of darkness has run riot in this town. And God wants to raise up a standard amongst us and others who are going to pray like we've never prayed before, who are going to work like we've never worked before, who are going to give like we've never given before, who are just going to give everything like we've never done before. And I wanted to tell you, God begins to sit up at that kind of people and says, I think these people mean business. So that is God's aspiration. That is what God is believing for. Let me leave you with this one final verse. I've got lots of other stuff that I could have said, but Psalm 18 verse 19. On the back of aspiration. If you ask me what am I believing for, I'm believing for the presence of God to fall in this church like we've never known before. I really am. I'm believing for just wonderful things to take place. The Spirit of God to be so heavy in this place. It's just awesome. I really am believing that lives are going to be transformed. Young people's lives are going to be rescued. Marriages are going to be rescued. I believe this is going to be a great place to raise up your kids. This is going to be a great place to grow old. And for everybody in between. I believe this is going to be a place where God is wanting to bless both 
numerically and foundationally. And we build something to the praise and glory of his name. And Psalm 18 verse 19, why do I say all that? Because he says this to us tonight. That he has brought us into a spacious place. I'm telling you, I feel the spacious place that God's bringing us into. It used to be a bit tight. You know, like that tight pair of jeans that you've got. And you're still committed that you can get in them. I'm telling you, God's bringing us into a very, very spacious place. It doesn't feel tight any longer. It just feels freeing. And that's the kind of uh, church that God is going to build here in Mansfield and in Ilkeston to the praise and glory of his name. I'm going to ask Phil to finish up. Normally I finish up, but I'm going to ask him to finish up. I wonder if the guys had come.